0: Your Majesty, I don't blame the judges. You're the prettiest of them all. But tell me something, Your Majesty. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with everybody in this crazy place? Answer me. Can't you talk? Can't you move? Answer me!
1: And welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul, and I'm Kevin. And we hope you guys enjoyed uh, last week's episode, which was now my mind's blanking. That was um, purple testament. Purple testament. Yes, I. Um, I hope no one. I hope no one saw a faint glow of death's flashlight between now and then. So hopefully you guys are okay. Um, because I just, the more I looked at it, the more I realized that death has a really weak flashlight, that's really what it was that we kept seeing well, the entire time. if they
0: did see the light on, uh, their face, then I guess they'd end up in tonight's episode. That's,
1: that's true. We, we didn't realize it was a two-parter. That's what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, so, uh, this, this uh, week's episode is Elegy. I, as I was telling Kevin before we started recording, um, I have not said this about an episode previously that my opinion changed significantly significantly um from one viewing to the next and i think it's going to be more about like the style is what really turned me around this episode the second time i watched it not so much the story but it's just one of those things that once i, I, I don't want to ruin it but like i kind of came away from the first time watching it kind of flat second time there's a lot
0: that i was just like you know what that's kind of awesome and yeah. i can't wait to talk about that yep i'm I, i'm super excited uh I was able to track down the short story by Charles Beaumont. So I was read that watched the episode twice. So I'm coming in prepared for once this week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, look, at, look at us. Like we're professional and kind of, you know, um, so yeah, kind of, kind of, uh, so air date, uh, it was, uh, February 19th, 1960. Uh, number one song again was teenager with Mike dirt Mark, Mark Denning. I always screw up and assume that the number one song is over for like a week and then it comes back. So, uh, <laughs> number one film again has been her. That's going to come around again. For for some reason, people like that movie. Um, one thing of note that happened on this date, just because it seems to be any episode that involves the space program, it's real easy to find something during this time about space. Uh, I wonder and, why. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, the Chinese space program began its first steps into its long march towards outer space with the launch of its first liquid-propelled T-7 rocket. Um, it was uh, made entirely within the People's Republic, meaning that was... a uh, completely communist and only reached the altitude of five miles but was successful so it was like it was funny because of the timeline of the cherry space program there's like this and then something happens 30 years later so congratulations guys you got up in the space and then we didn't hear from you again for
0: quite a while nice the only thing i could find on february 19th 1960 was that it was the uh debut of family circus
1: oh th-
0: unconnected to the episode that, that, that is that is a long national nightmare that has not ended So Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, I Uh, feel like I've been stuck on this asteroid (laughs) having to read that garbage every week. (laughs) Isn't it like, isn't it like the grandson now that does it or
1: is it the son? Like I know, I know the original guy doesn't, Bill Keen has been dead for a while and it's like, and it's like, I'm sure he had the keys to the kingdom. He's like, here, just, just draw the same characters over and over again and not make jokes. And he's like, okay, I can do that. You know? So, um, yeah, anyway, this is not the family circus show. That's that's no. a whole whole nother thing we're gonna do later. No, <laughs>
0: yeah. um, I'd rather do a Garfield show. Right, um,
1: and we would we, only uh, publish on Mondays, but we'd be angry about it the entire time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. So yeah, uh, we should just go ahead and just get to uh, like uh, who did what with this episode.
0: Yeah. So crew directed by Douglas Hayes, who also directed the episode we've previously covered, and when the sky was opened, which had three guys in the space program and something went weird, huh?
1: Yeah, very I, strange. It, I hope that like, this is his second of seven episodes. I hope they're not all seven revolving around three guys in outer space or three astronauts. That'd <laughs> He's be like
0: a, I'm, I'm done. I want to do something different. He, he gets <laughs> typecast
1: <laughs> as the three astronaut guy, and then you never hear from him again.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh episode was written by Charles Beaumont, which is the third time. Is it the second or third time we've? Uh, second second I, perchance yeah. to
1: dream was the other one with uh crazy cat lady and the dream sequences uh and also because Beaumont or not Beaumont uh, the music the uh, Nathan van cleve the guy that did the really cool theremin stuff for yes. perchance to dream there's his feature music in this too which also helps a great deal as
0: well with the uh, the moodiness of it yeah I was a big fan of the music uh yeah this the story is originally originally published in imagination magazine in February 1953. So seven years, almost exactly seven years after he initially published it, he rewrote it for the teleplay. And this marks, uh, I, I'm trying to think, how many episodes have we done that haven't been the teleplay by Serling? Is this the third one or yes, the second? Not, not mini, yeah, not many. Yeah, you You're right. Yeah. Um, so it's always interesting seeing these first couple episodes not done by Serling. Though this, I think, falls in line with what Serling was doing. So you can definitely see why he gravitated towards Beaumont.
1: Yeah, because I mean, th- this is like it's sci-fi that's a little out there, but also there's there's a big underlying message to it too. It's a little heavy-handed, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, I got
0: yeah. I got a few messages out of it.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, let's just go ahead. And, uh, the, the the cast, which isn't many, uh, we have uh, Mr. Wickwire as, uh, that, as played by Cecil Calloway. Which, um, other than one other additional Twilight Zone appearance, I couldn't see anything of major importance other than a lot of TV work.
0: Well, uh, I found out that he was originally offered the role of Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th Street. Oh,
1: okay. And
0: he didn't get it. But later up, just wait, this is, stay with me here. He <laughs> ended up playing Santa Claus on an episode of Bewitched. Oh,
1: I, I saw that credit, but I didn't I didn't think about the Miracle 34th Street thing because I was just thinking about Darren Stevens' previous episode about Bewitched. That's yeah, awesome. so a strange little connection to last episode. I could see him playing Santa Claus. That yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah. So then, uh, I, I know normally you do this. So I'll just I'll try not to step over you too
0: much here. No, uh. you're fine. You want, <laughs> do you want me to continue? Yeah, That's you fine.
1: can. Yeah, please. All right. So we so got step Jeff Moro
0: who plays Kurt Myers. Uh, only shows up in one other Twilight Zone episode, and it's not even the original Twilight Zone. It's one of the 1980 episodes. He plays, I think, a character named H.G. uh, Oh, what was it? G.H. Wells or something like that. Something weird, right? Yeah, it was something like uh, H.G. Orson or something. Oh, that's
1: right, H.G. Orson.
0: (laughs) So I I can't wait until we get to that five years from now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But other than that, it was his only original Twilight Zone episode. Couldn't really find much else on him. Um, Uh, Well, so that was his last television
1: appearance was that of the 80s Twilight Zone, which I thought was interesting. And hmm. then also he was in uh, This Island Earth, which is uh, the the, the most expensive sci-fi film film at the time. So
0: that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have Don Dubbins, who sounds like a hobbit, uh, <laughs> plays Peter Kirby. This is, again, his only Twilight Zone role. And, man, this guy had bit roles. I think he had, like, almost 150 different credits on his page.
1: Oh, I found a cool connection with him, though, because uh, I, <laughs> I kept digging. He was in The Illustrated Man uh, with, oh, the Bradbury. Yeah, with yeah. Rod Steiger, which he later on was in the Zone movie. Uh, sadly, uh, but I think uh, Kirby was in the segment in which they had the uh, astronauts on Venus trying to find shelter. Hmm. I think, I, 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 but I, but it's hard to because the, the Illustrated Man. There's like a big wraparound story, then there's three little vignettes in the middle. It's like an anthology type thing, right? And yeah. it's and I can't find a breakdown of who was in what each one. But I just really want to believe secretly that he was an astronaut on Venus with like three other guys. I just want to believe that he also got stuck being that third guy. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was interesting that he was in that with uh, Roger Tiger who would go on, you know, to, to, you know, be famously in
0: Twilight Zone, the movie. I just couldn't get past the Hobbit name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great uh, name. Don Dubbins. <laughs> so next we have Kevin Hagen as Captain James Weber, who <sighs> only twilight zone episode again. Um, looked like his biggest role to date was the little house on the prairie.
1: Yeah. And he was also in amazing stories, which I thought was just interesting. Cause that was another high oh, profile yeah. anthology thing. But yeah, The little house on the prairie. Like he made a career out of that. Like he had like a one man show, like wisdom from the prairie or some shit. Like, oh, you know, yep, yeah, that is some like, shit. Like, <laughs> like, I would do a one man <laughs> show, like close to Michael Landon, ask me questions. Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> um, but a lot of a lot of smaller actors. There, this might be our biggest cast yet in a Twilight Zone episode, and most of them do nothing. There seems to be a dog fight outside of my room. Sorry <laughs> if that's coming through on the mic. That's, that's um, okay.
1: They're they're excited for this episode. I, I'm sure they have things they want to say too.
0: Yeah. Um. So the only actor I was kind of excited—the ice cream man—that they come across in this actually plays the monster the tabanga in from hell it came which is one of my favorite 50s B movie monster films
1: where did you find
0: a listing of the other
1: actors in this because I couldn't I didn't find anything about like the um, the extras if you
0: I don't know what you'd call them I am DB oh <laughs> <laughs> I I
1: didn't look further down I guess I don't know I just yeah, you like, gotta
0: click the see the rest of the cast or something I, and most I of them are like that. uncredited okay. but okay I, <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> say it like that. you're like
1: where did i check paul the internet i'm like oh yeah i should have looked there first yeah um, um,
0: but yeah it, nobody else i mean people had done so much stuff and i just kind of got tired of looking but i clicked on uh chester hayes and i saw he was in from hell it came i was so excited and if you haven't seen that he turns into a tree monster and it's this great rubber suit it's 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 fantastic. It's such an underrated monster film. Oh, you have my attention now. It's a tree monster. I'm I'm all about that. Yeah, uh, look up a picture of it sometime. It's 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 worth it.
1: <laughs> and, and returning for our our third episode is that is that same, sh- uh, um, soundstage of the stairwell. That I talked about last week, I was not nearly as clever as I thought I was because the, in the uh, IMDb, sorry, the Wikipedia page for this episode references that same set in the pre- in the Purple Testament, in the 16 millimeter shrine. Here, I thought I had some revelation. Nope, everyone else hey, figured it out before me.
0: At least we discovered it on our own, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's really weird to be like, oh, here's the set. We're gonna like, I'm sure you know, because the production order was probably not shot sequentially in terms of like how it was shown. It's still really odd that it's like, we're going to use the same set in back-to-back weeks. And then that set's never used again for the rest of the Twilight Zone. What, I, what th-
0: I think is interesting, though, that this set was used in three very different episodes. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, in three different ways, too. Like, uh, and, Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of that stuff, too, here in a second, just because... For sure. Yeah, because it's like so it's that middle part that has me... Like I, I like I said, I, I fell in love with like the middle ten minutes of this episode. Um, but yeah, let's just go ahead. We'll get to, to what Rod has to say. Good. The time is the day after tomorrow. The place, a far corner of the universe. The cast of characters, three men lost amongst the stars. Three men sharing the common urgency of all men lost. They're looking for home. And in a moment, they'll find home. Not a home that is a place to be seen, but a strange, unexplainable experience to be felt and then there was loud rocket noises they had to cut out real quick so that's that's why that abruptly stops because those rocket noises were real loud (laughs)
0: um just uh, just coming out of the gate here that opening narration serling uh, has such a way with words i love how eloquently he places this in the future with the time is the day after tomorrow yeah I, i love that
1: like yeah, because I mean, ultimately, I mean, he this teleplay was not by him, the story was not by him, but he somehow is still able to find. I don't know. It's like he. he I don't want to say makes it his own, but he's able to just add that little bit more depth to it, and it's it, it's a good it's a good table setter for. Because I mean, clearly we've talked about this before many times. These episodes are twenty five minutes. There's a lot of legwork that has to happen in the first few just to get you up to speed, and he does that so beautifully.
0: Yeah, yeah, I. It- always always impressed with his narration though and again another uh kind of broad thing on this episode just the title that charles beaumont gave for this episode elegy um i, I think it's such a beautiful name for the story and we'll get into it i i don't want to talk about it without getting into the rest of the story but i just want to kind of lay that out up front that i love the title of this episode
1: yeah, no, it's it's a good title. Um, the, the rocket set is not that good. Um, it, there, there's still some of the weird weird designs and shapes and circles and triangles that we saw. And I launched an arrow into the air. Uh, some of the stuff used from third from the sun. And then also there's a the sound in the background. It's not in the intro there, but it's during when they're first trying to determine what's going on with them landing. It's a very distinct noise. There's up being used repeatedly in Star Trek. So it was a really nah. odd beeping kind of like distant beeping noise that I will always associate with like the original series Star Trek, and it was kind of it was kind of like a mind bender there for a minute watching these guys, you know, like diagnose the
0: atmosphere. Yeah. Um, all right, so you want to kind of get into the plot? It's pretty simplistic, as most of them are.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one it feels like like uh, the the setup is I guess simplistic, but the twist it takes a little while to get there, and that's mm-hmm. actually. Um, that's a welcome change and even though I feel like there's two twists here um, yes for sure yeah uh, yeah the the three the three men they're they're on basically they you find out they're on a routine mission geologic geologic survey they their rocket gets hit so then they um, somehow perfectly land it in reverse on this uh, asteroid
0: I don't know how they do that um, yeah <laughs> and I, I love when they're coming down and uh, they all go and run to their seats and the camera's shaking to show that they're kind of crash landing I was expecting the the uh, at the at the countdown for mystery science theater to pop yeah, on there.
1: <laughs> that's that's a really good yeah you're right because I was expecting it felt like like they weren't quite like um the way they're sitting looked kind of like lawn chairs but it wasn't a lawn chair it was more like a bench seat but it was yeah, kind of great just looking up. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I loved it. But they uh, basically they have no fuel left, no options, and so they just land in this place because it looks like it could be a place that could sustain life, and it turns out that it has the exact perfect gravity and the exact perfect atmosphere. To, to live on and mm-hmm. they don't question it. They just go outside and that's, you know, that's what there just like, it could kill us. And the guy's like, where else are we going to go? And they just go outside, which I got to, got to respect that. It's like, we have no options left. Let's just go see what's going on.
0: Yeah. So they land on a farm and, uh, they immediately walk out and they're like, Oh, it, it looks just like earth. And they see a dog at, it looks like a water a well or something. And, uh, the dog is not moving and they realize that something is strange right from there. Cause they walk up and uh, the dog is just frozen there. And then uh, really great, uh, really great point they make is that there are two suns, So they cannot be on earth.
1: Yeah. Cause they're talking to each other about like, this could be earth. And he's like, well, I can't remember a time where earth had two sons. And just because of recently with, with star Wars rogue one coming out, I was like, I had a very star Wars thought of like, of course that's the best way to show that you're not from here when you have two suns in the sky. <laughs> yeah (laughs) i just i don't know it just it it just makes me wonder if lucas saw that he's like that's a good idea you know and uh but yeah like so they find the dog that's um not moving uh and then they find a farmer that has a really peculiar smile on his face and he's not moving and i i like that they they immediately like we gotta get out of here they just take off it's like yeah if i just saw a farmer standing perfectly
0: still not talking to me i'd
1: probably run away too
0: Yeah. Well, it's so funny. You text me the image of that, uh, farmer and I hadn't watched the episode (laughs) up to that point. And I was like, I, I, I assume this is from the episode. (laughs) Yeah. I just couldn't help it. Yeah. As soon as he popped up on screen, I I had a little chuckle to myself. (laughs) over it. But, uh, Um,
1: yeah, so they go forward, um, and they go across the bridge. They see a guy fishing, but the guy's also stationary, which, um, I don't know if you noticed this on the second view through, when the one guy's down there trying to talk to the fisherman, it cuts to a shot of both of the astronauts, the other two on top of the bridge. That's a still frame of both of them.
0: Yeah, I noticed it and, the first time I was watching it,
1: and I thought that was kind of ironic considering what we're about to find out. You know, it was like that's kind of funny that they couldn't use a motion shot of him of those guys; they just used a still frame.
0: Yeah, I kind of looked into that to see if that was supposed to be like uh, foreshadowing or something. Uh, but it, nobody seems to know whether or not that was just the editor trying to get a reaction shot and didn't have the shot he needed or uh, if it was the director or writer's choice to actually have that in there. I mean, Personally, I believe that it was just the editor needed a reaction shot and that's all he had. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if, but, if,
1: if, if that was purposely placed there, that's uh, that's smart. But it's also just odd because they never came back to that. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, so then the story goes, like, they hear music, which, to me, this is when I start, like, like falling in love with this episode. They hear music. They rush into this area where there's a band uh, supposedly performing music, but none of them are moving. Uh, and there's a loudspeaker playing this, like, this uh, like
0: I don't know what kind of music, this uh celebration type of just, like, band. Yeah, just, like, marching band music. Yeah. It, it yeah, was- so it, it- – it's like a big party. I think it's an inauguration party for the mayor. So from there, they go into the mansion, the set that we've been discussing the past couple of weeks. <laughs> um, yeah. <and> they,
1: <laughs> yeah. The peculiar set.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's a whole group of people, probably about 30 people in there, all just standing still. And I, I guess it's a good point to talk about. Did you like the effect of people standing?
1: I did. So here. Yeah. So. Um, even though the second time watching it, uh, clearly you could see some people were more successful than others with this, Yes, yeah. which I'm just going to go ahead and say that this episode should be renamed to the, uh, mannequin challenge. I think that's, Oh, no, you that's
0: beat true. me to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I have a couple other titles too. I'll get to in a second, but that was just like, that's, this is the greatest mannequin challenge. Like definitely when they're walking through with the band, the guy playing the French horn, like started blinking and I'm like, yeah, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. But, uh, I loved I loved how there was these tracking shots that tried to show you the scope of the of the scene, like so the the movement of the camera is what sold the scene as opposed to everybody standing still, if, yeah. if that makes sense. And like so with that shot of that of that foyer, which I could see why they used it because the shot of that was up above a little higher than it was in both um, Purple Testament and 16 millimeter Shrine, when it was mm-hmm. a little bit close up and you got to see how big that room was, and it was a more of a bird's eye view. Uh, and it it was was wonderful. And then, like, the next couple sh- shots we'll talk about in a second are what um, sell the episode for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I it was a definite directing choice to have the camera keep moving. Because just from a technical aspect of having a bunch of people standing still, if you keep a still camera, you're going to see every movement or every shake <laughs> or blink or anything. So keeping the camera moving was definitely a smart move.
1: Yeah, and I think also after a while you would have it you would like you would lose interest in the scene if it's just mm-hmm. all stationary, right? So
0: yeah, yeah, um,
1: but yeah, I like so they go with the guy winning winning an election, and then um, then they decide they're going to split up and be back in an hour, which I'm just like you you you're, the clock there doesn't even have hands. How do you know when an hour is going to pass? But whatever, that's neither here nor there. They have uh, space watches. <laughs> yeah, they have they have space watches. That makes sense. Um, so they all kind of break up and kind of go experience different things. And the next two shots, I think, are, well, actually, there's three shots, right? Because each one of them experiences a different scene. Yeah. Um, so you have the diner, which is also a place where people are playing cards. I don't mean, whatever. I guess that works.
0: Yeah, um, I know. I was kind of writing down what each, uh, I'll call it a tableau. Um, I was kind of writing down what each one was. And I was like, diner. Oh, poker, poker hall, table. What? what? <laughs> I guess I'll just stick with diner. Um, yeah, you got the diner with the people playing cards. You got, uh, I think was a hotel room. Yeah. I think it was a hotel room with a live band and, uh, fully stocked bar.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, and also with the poker thing though, like you had everybody sitting around a table, but one guy had a ridiculously large amount of coins and like, like a uh, chip stacked and he had four aces and a joker in his hand. So this guy was about to win more and everybody else didn't have much and then with the hotel room, and this is my favorite shot of the entire episode. Actually, I should say a second favorite. The next one's the the pageant we're going to talk about in a second is how mm-hmm. the camera moves in the frame and you have this couple that are like dancing but they're not moving and then like a like a basically a mariachi band. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, yeah. A four-piece mariachi band playing music forever as they're both like just like forever looking at each other's eyes. And it's it's a really cool moment.
0: Yeah, especially when you get The somewhat answer of what's actually going on on this, those scenes have a lot more gravitas as you learn why they're in these positions.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, again, why like the second time through it, it made us like, oh, wow, this is actually heartbreaking when you get to what's going on, you know, like uh, and then like the third scene is the guy wandering into a beauty pageant. That's like where they're announcing a winner. And that, that's that's a really wonderful shot because there's so many people sitting looking at this thing at the stage. And there's like, like was it seven or eight girls up on stage? Um, yeah. And it's, it's a really cool
0: shot. And I, I love that uh, you guys heard it in the beginning of the episode. The one character, I can't remember which one it was, um, has this little monologue yelling out into the crowd. And just having him on a stage was such a great effect for that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I do want to talk about this is one of the major things I, I love what Charles Beaumont did with this episode he kind of tightened some stuff up um, there were a lot more characters that crash landed on the ship and it was car it was hard to kind of place who was who in the story but one of the main th- differences is that these three tableaus these three little scenes that they have in here are so much darker in the story Um They are so morbid. The one is like a church. So you have this like black altar in the front and everyone frozen with their arms like reaching forward. Um, The second one, the one guy that was on the ship ended up breaking his glasses so he couldn't see very well. He wandered into a butcher shop and like actually ran into some meat and it freaked him out. (laughs) Um, And then the third one was a lady having surgery performed on her. Oh. so there's all these like saws and everything around. So it, the story had a much darker feel to it than the episode. And, uh, it makes sense that they would make him change it for <laughs> TV. Cause I, I couldn't see any of those making it on the twilight zone at this time.
1: No. And, and, and ultimately, even though, um, all I mean, it's four things, right? It's the mayor, it's the hotel room.
0: It's the, it's yeah, the guy winning yeah. The money well, the they still have the farm and everything on and the farm the, too. And the Fisher yeah. guy. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, and that stuff's all in it, but those, those like three when they split up, those are the ones that they run into.
1: Yeah, I just, they they all seem much more like hopeful. Is what I'm like. What I'm saying is like once you get to around what's going on, that's more like oh, that is someone's choice. That's what like that. That's what they would. That's what they'd like to be doing. You know. And except for that fisherman, he got knocked over. So hopefully someone yeah. comes along and takes care of him like later. But uh, but yeah, like um, it's it's oh. interesting. And then also, did you but- notice how the beauty pageant like the winner. Like they, they purposely put like the big thick glasses on her and her hair wasn't quite like, like they were trying to trying to get across that she was, she was winning the pageant, but she wasn't the most beautiful one on stage.
0: Yeah. Or during life, she felt like she wouldn't have, but she wanted to be forever cemented within yeah. that, uh, within that position yeah so and then yeah that that is pretty amazing
1: (laughs) uh, yeah Uh, and so this that's the part I loved about this episode and then not that I'm saying I didn't dislike the rest of it but I don't know what it is about this season of the Twilight Zone that anytime you bring in a mischievous character they have to have a music cue the music cue for when um, whenever Wickwire actually you find out there's actually someone else there on the in this area that actually is awake and moving around it's it's the it's the dumbest music cue that i just i hate that little i don't know what it is a little little like uh, just a little chirpy noise or whatever i didn't i didn't even capture it because it annoyed me that much
0: oh damn it i was really hoping <laughs> i was sitting here with like baited breath like come on please play it please oh uh, yeah yeah really dumb and uh when we start talking about this overall i'll discuss some of my issues with the episode um so yeah they run into Wickwire who i love when they first run into him walking up onto that uh onto that front porch he's sitting behind the newspaper he drops it and he's got this big dumb grin on his face
1: yeah and i like how i like the the the, um, the double take from the astronauts where it's like oh crap you're here too you know like you you can talk to us um so i like that like, they had this freak out moment because every because they were they were actually deciding who's gonna live in what house pretty much where it's like oh well i guess we're stuck here on frozen planet but it is a nice house i guess i'll just live in this one that's kind of how I'd be too. It's like I guess I guess if I have to be here, I'll just go take ice cream out of the ice cream cart in the front every so often and call it a day.
0: Yeah, if it doesn't melt.
1: I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be it could be frozen in time like everybody else. Yeah, could be like that dog. That now that we know what's going on with the episode, what did that dog do deserve to be there? That's why that's what I want to know. Maybe like, he
0: loved drinking out of the well. <laughs> That's his favorite thing in life. So that's <laughs> he, where he's at.
1: He was a city dog, always wanted to be a farm dog, saved yeah. up his dog money, and then went to the Glades. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so they, they talked to Wickwire, which, by the way, I wanted to uh, not skip over. There's a nice bit of dialogue where one of them says, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live here. I thought that was kind of a nice little... Like, um, I, the, you hear that phrase all the time and it's like, I felt that was nicely appropriate for what was going on where it's like, yeah, it looks great. I just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they talked to, they talked to Wickwire. Um, there's some confusion a little bit about like, cause he, he, he ultimately knows why they're there. They don't know why they're there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so he's mischievous with that stupid sound playing.
0: God, I wish you had that sound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, watch the episode um, everybody
1: you'll love it just hate that noise that noise is annoying but because uh, it's like because I don't I don't need him like he obviously is like he's smarter than everybody in the room because he knows what's going on exactly right I, I'm <laughs> fine with that and and you know he's a little bit of a little bit of agent of chaos because the viewer doesn't know what's going on I just like his role though is is not funny you know it's not, not as in, like comedic it's just like he has a very specific role there and it's not comedy relief at least not to me And it felt it felt like a really odd um, choice to have that accented, you know, versus like the hitchhiker, where there was a bit of a music cue for him or for Mister Death back in um, uh, what was it, uh, one for the Angels, like, yeah,
0: yeah. I was gonna say his uh, performance at the beginning kind of reminded me of Edwin's performance in One for the Angels, a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then it changes drastically, and uh, um, what's his name, Wickwire, is uh, ends up being kind of a terrifying. Uh, antagonist in this.
1: Yeah. So anyway, they're, they're talking to him and you're here. You, 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 I'll let you explain what happens next.
0: Yeah. So, uh, they're trying to get an answer out of him of, about what's going on. And he basically tells them that they've wandered onto a, uh, into a cemetery on an a- on an asteroid. So it, the cemetery is run by this company that offered people a chance to kind of pick, what they would want to be stuck doing for eternity because humans have ultimately destroyed the earth in the total war. I think they called it the total war. So the earth they're assuming wouldn't be there forever. So these people that wanted to be, instead of buried on a cemetery on earth that might be destroyed, wanted to be cemented, just traveling through the universe doing whatever they loved for eternity. And there's some great lines about how, uh, If man is alive, there will never be peace, uh, which is a very cynical look at humanity, which I tend to like when Twilight Zone goes in those directions. And uh, there's some other cynical stuff going on in this. Well, because he he obviously he's like, well, we've got to fix you some lunch.
1: It's like, that's just what you do when you go to the frozen planet. You have lunch, you know, and as he's explaining everything to the to the guys, um, you know, you start to figure out that like he's basically putting his plan in place saying, oh, you weren't sitting here from the glades. Oh, but what's the one thing that you'd want most of all? And the one guy's like, I'd like to be on the rocket going home. And the other two guys are like, Yeah, that'd be great. So then you find out that he's poisoned them uh, to basically, like, you know, to to kill them. But he's also going to give them their wish, which is kind of, I mean, it's 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 interesting, but it's also kind of mean spirited. It's just like you, he, but he had a job to do. He's a caretaker, and he only wakes up when there's things to do, you know. And uh, um, and I liked how he was explaining how this world works that. There's all these different sections, which um, I, my my uh, my ears kind of perked up. But he was like, "There's a medieval world. There's a Roman world. There's a Wild Western world." I'm like, "Holy shit! There's a West world here." But it's just, <laughs> this is full of just dead people, though, just standing around yeah. with guns.
0: But this episode uh, does a great job at kind of building the universe around it because they don't show they show more than they have in other episodes, but they don't show a whole lot. But there's so much talk about what else is out there that you just feel you just believe it like it's it's great well i mean so outside of the rocket set right and then um and then
1: also with their their uh, spacesuits that have the really nice big thick puffy neck i don't know what they're going to do, use with those though uh the, every other set that you have is an actual just set like a diner or that one foyer or whatever it's all about like just building reaction and making a, a, an odd scenario. So I, this is the, the world building that gets me is like, they're using sets that they could use the very next week for an entirely different story. And it wouldn't be science fiction, you know? And it's like, yeah. and it's just very credit to, well, like I said, yeah. they
0: they already have the set <laughs> yeah, the you, staircase and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we have one that's grounded sort of in reality. You got a war story and then you have a sci-fi story set in space that they use the same mansion, uh,
1: yeah, uh, and the, setting and, and then the power it, of nostalgia Yeah, you know, the other one so yeah it's just uh it's, yeah i mean it's amazing it just it just shows you the power of concept versus having to throw a bunch of money at like props mm-hmm. and that so credit to that
0: yeah and I, I think the concept is the strongest thing for me in this episode um i think it's such an interesting concept to have a cemetery on an asteroid and it's something I've never seen before. I I didn't see it coming when I watched the episode the first time. Yeah. And uh, kind of I I watched the episode and I kind of forgot about it and read the story just so I could try and read it with fresh eyes again. And uh, it, it's it's surprising even in the story. You, yeah. They, uh, they explain a lot more in the story. Just kind of they pick up a pamphlet and it's got all the information about the company that's actually putting on this.
1: Man, that's a very. This is almost like a like a Philip K. Dick story before its time. You know, it yeah. feels very. Um, but it's just uh, it. It's interesting to me. I put in my notes here that they flew all this way just to end up in Florida. That's how it felt like to me. It's just like. <laughs> uh, um, but so my question, though, so ultimately, what happens here at the end of the episode? And um, if we've come this far, is that Wickwire takes the three of them, puts them back on the spaceship, and then kind of dusts them off, like of which, whatever, right? So he basically makes them all look like they're hopeful to go home. Then he goes and kind of shuts down because he refers to himself as a scientific device, which I think is very forward-thinking. Like, how is she going to describe like an AI like companion or like a like a cyborg before the thought even occurred to anybody? That's a really cool idea, but as he's dusting everybody else off, you hear that stupid music again, and it's like, I almost just wish there would have been silence of him going about his custodial duties and then shutting down, which would have been way creepier to me.
0: And when he goes to shut down, he kind of walks up those steps, and it's almost like a throne overlooking the cemetery, Yeah, and the face he makes at the end is actually fairly haunting yeah Uh, you're right if it wasn't for the goofy music and the goofy little uh sound that they put in every time he's doing something uh it really would have been an extremely haunting episode not saying it wasn't but it really would have hit home and i agree with you if it was just silence over that i probably would have got chills um but yeah his character i i I find him be fascinating like it's such a three-dimensional character played on uh, the astronauts uh, astronauts are kind of they don't you don't get a backstory on no, them you don't they're really interchangeable care as they're just guys. there yeah. to move along the story um, but he's such a great character because i kind of took away at the end to like is he is he actually there to maintain or is is he the one doing this
1: yeah i think i mean i think it's ultimately both because it's like he made the comment, He's like oh you're not from the glades and then he made the comment about how the house they were in the gentleman who was supposed to own it decided he wanted to go fight a dragon as opposed to be in this house. So it's like, mm-hmm. so it makes me wonder then these people that pay this money to be there. So it sounds like to me that I mean, and there's big holes in this because I mean, don't overthink it. But they paid to get there while they're alive and then pick out how they want to be remembered for the rest of their life, the eternity. That's what it sounded yeah. like.
0: Or who even knows though if he's telling the truth is another thing.
1: Yeah, and it also. Like this company, the happy, Place.
0: I mean, he's so deceitful. You see him murder three people in front of you.
1: Yeah. As
0: quirky as he is, like that's how <laughs> deceitful he is. So you, you never know what's actually happening in this.
1: That's true. And then, but the thing that gets me though, is like if this company is taking people's money and giving them the life they never had, but they're dead, how would they even know? Like, why couldn't you and I just start a company called Happy Glades and tell everybody, yeah, yeah, no, we go to this asteroid, it's pretty great, Just you just got to give us some money and we'll take care of you, here's some cool photos of a dog standing still, and then we just go set them
0: on fire and keep the money. Like, they would never know, you know? <laughs> well, like, I, I think that's kind of a statement he's making on uh, people's vanity, you know? How many people set out their wills, you know, to like, I, I want... I want this kind of funeral. I want this. It's like, at the end of the day, what do you care? We're all going to be in the ground. We're all going to be the same, you know? So it's, it's I think it's an interesting statement on that. It is. I mean, and I also wonder, though, if you're going to
1: spend the money to do that and and know that you're always going to be winning the pageant and know that you're always going to be winning at cards, like what what power is that, though, if no one else can see how great you are? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's all these different monuments to people that have that have lived and died on this earth. Um, Like, who knows how many Elvis statues there are, right? Like, you you need to know. Like, people need to like the people living will be like, oh, well, that's the king of rock and roll or whatever, right? Like, but if if it was just like Elvis off in the middle of nowhere with his own Graceland that no one could ever see, what's the point of having that excess if you can't rub it in somebody's face? That that seems to be that's the point of like vanity, right? Like, is to show people what they can't have. Um, so I just wonder who was going to visit, you know, like potential buyers. That seems a little, that seems a little far reaching, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, that's the stuff I started kind of thinking about, which I know I'm guilty of this. I know I'm guilty of taking, you know, 50 year old stories and pulling apart based upon the many years of layered intelligent science fiction that we've had. But it just, it starts to make me my, in a good way, my mind spends thinking about these uh-huh. things. Yeah.
0: Um, there's something else I was going to bring up, and I forgot where I was going to go with it. Uh, I guess that's a good segue, though, uh, for a question. Usually you pose a question to me. I get a question. Okay. Uh, if you were to pick any way to position yourself <laughs> on this asteroid, <laughs> what would it be? Oh, shit. That's, so, I, knew, I, I, had like, I had a feeling yeah. you are going to ask me this. I, you There's know, one There's one question that needs to be asked out of this episode, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> you know, like,
1: ultimately, it, it like, you like. It would have to be if if it was like power fantasy, like then then I'd be like something ridiculous, like me fighting a bunch of robots, you know, or whatever. But if it's like how I want to be remembered, like if, if it's just like, Paul, like it doesn't matter about fighting a dragon. It doesn't matter about becoming Mega Man or whatever it is that I really want to do. It would just be me hopefully doing something creative around those I care about. And I think that's and not to get like always full and sad, but it's like I think it'd be more fun. I would love to always be forever. Like around my friends playing like a shitty card game, having a good time with some awesome music playing in the background and just having that moment frozen as opposed to me sitting on a throne, you know, like, I don't know, like, I'd rather just see, like, always have that moment of joy that you have with like your friends and family.
0: Oh, that's so nice. That's yeah. a, that's such a great sentiment going into the holidays here. And, and that's and, you, you know. I, mean? I would be on a like long that. ship with a hammer and a Viking helmet. <laughs> <Yeah. So fuck. laughs> I was just say like fuck my friends. Like if you if you wanted
1: to do if you wanted to do something ridiculous, then yeah, I mean, then yeah, you, I, you're, you're gonna put me. I'm gonna be like one step behind Ripley fighting like the alien queen, or or wearing um freaking Kurt Russell's hat in the thing, just going after something. You know, like that would be. You know, yeah. like that would be ultimate, right? But I mean, but if if it's if you're trying to, to choose how you're remembered, you know, it's just that that's, you know, I don't know I'll why I'm going to
0: be on the couch watching Twilight Zone episodes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, just be in front that'd of a microphone. That'd be most
0: realistic, me on a couch. It would be,
1: it'd be realistically, to sleep. it'd be me fiddling with knobs on a small audio board being like, does that sound right? Does that sound right? And then pressing, <laughs> having my finger pressing the wrong button for all of eternity. That's what would
0: be happening. It's going to be uh, Mr. Denton on doomsday <laughs> on feet, as you sit in front of a microphone. Oh,
1: no. Yeah. How dry I am. How dry I am. Uh, no, that's a good question. It's just uh, it's it's funny because we like I was talking to Mary about this recently because I, mean, I recently got married. So you, you have to consider these things, you know, like uh, the, like the end of it all. And I I have certain beliefs. She does, too. Like, I'm, I just want to donate my body to science and be done with it. But like, good luck with the parts you guys get, science, because there's not going to be much use with them when you get to them. Um, <laughs> but she was talking about how there's a, a service out there that could take your remains and, and put it into a pod that will grow a tree out of it.
0: Oh, and yeah, I, I saw that.
1: And I think that's kind of cool. You know, like, that would be something that, like, you know, you helped bring something into this world. And something like that I, I dig. But it's like, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things that you don't want to think about. But I don't know if I'd want to go to, like, a space rock and then have... You know, forever winning a beauty pageant, but that's that's but that's what I'm saying. Like with this episode in particular, that little vignette section, and then there's parts of that part parts of it though that there's no music. It's just like the camera moving, and Mm -hmm. you you just see, and that is beautiful. Like before the couple, like I think maybe there's music playing whenever he sees the couple, but then just knowing that they're forever in embrace, dancing in a hotel room, and love with the band playing on, that that's haunting. And then seeing the pageant winner. Not, you know, like never, maybe never winning in life, but having that and having, but then knowing just the the whole conceit of this episode is that she had enough money and just knew that our way out, she wanted to win. Like that's, you know, that screws me up more than anything we saw in the 25 minutes, you know, like, and I just, I don't know. Like, I think it's just because the older I get, the more I realize that even in a little show like this, supposedly everybody there had a story to tell. And they all ended up there. We, I mean, For the most part, they said there's some dummies, some fake people in there to pat it out. They kind of implied that there's some that aren't really dead people because who'd want to be that one guy cheering for the mayor? It's like, that's a really shitty way to go. Well, out.
0: Like, and that's what I was going to say. What about the guy in the back row at the beauty pageant watching it? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whose dream was it in life? That's like, uh. I just want to be in the back row, just watching a beauty pageant forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> or uh, even like the ice delivery guy that they run into uh, unloading the truck. I'm like, man, like, why would you pick that? Right? You know. So I like, guess you're really passionate about ice. It's like this technology is
1: never going away. There's never nothing's ever going to change that. You know.
0: But, yeah, and it, I guess it all comes down to uh, why I like this episode so much is that it gets you thinking. It yeah. gets you thinking about all these type of things. And th- that's really what I look for when I watch entertainment is something that gets my mind working.
1: So, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole um, beginning bit of like the whole world's frozen. You had me like because it's like some of these I could kind of see where they're going just because it's just like, you know, you know how stories work. Right. Like the Purple Testament didn't surprise me at all. Um, the last flight didn't surprise me at all. It was the character beat that surprised me, not necessarily the resolution. Like yeah. this one, no idea where it was going. So I dug that, you know, and, and again, like, so to rewatching just, just the camera setups and the thought that went into and just knowing the, the stories that are being told there, that, that really makes it for me. And then, and then overthinking like how that dog get there, you know, like the, and also why is that tractor have six wheels? I don't understand why that was like that, but whatever, it's fine. Um, yeah, it, it was it was an interesting episode for for all the things that made you think about, as opposed to what was there.
0: And I like so yeah, I, I dig it. Yeah, but beyond the touching stuff that you kind of brought up and the that, I I think it is a dark comedy. Uh, through and through like yeah. i i think it's morbidly funny <laughs> well because I mean, as well
1: even s- certainly said that at the end with his closing narration where but i mean you got these these spacemen like these astronauts that fly all this way out just to come back home to find out that like you know that they're going to die someplace that looks like their home but they're going to be arranged going home
0: you know that I mean, yeah that is dark you know so i mean i'll, I'll yeah, get that and the whole thing that uh like wars, prejudice, and all that will never stop until mankind is dead. Like that's a cynical nihilist way of looking at things, and and I, I love the Twilight Zone for approaching that type of uh, mindset back yeah. in 1960. And that was the approach of
1: Third from the Sun, though. It's like they wanted to get the heck off of their planet because they knew it wasn't going to like it wasn't going to end,
0: you know? And yeah. Like, so well, this um, this one hit me as darker for some reason. Oh, absolutely, and I think it was the misguided tone. Uh, cause it takes itself too lighthearted, I think at certain points. And like, I, I say it's a dark comedy, but I don't think they should have hit the comedy beats as hard as they actually did in this. No. And th- that's my major problem with this is, uh, just that I, I think that, uh, well, Cecil, uh, Cecil Calloway put in a great performance and I love the character and I love what it got me thinking about, um, and I guess it's probably not even his fault. It's probably the director's fault for uh, guiding him in that direction. Um, I just think he was a little bit too goofy for what this episode was trying to get across. Yeah, I agree with that. And Yeah, um, but again, like you said, the twist is fantastic. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I, I don't think... I'm trying to think of anything. Like, a cemetery in space? Like, that's fantastic. Such a great <laughs> idea. <laughs>
1: so, um... Yeah, uh, so we, we've actually we've been talking a lot about this episode. So this is this is a good one. Everybody should just watch it. Ignore the weird music and just and just watch the whole thing because it's solid. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give you some quick other titles I had for this episode other than the greatest mannequin challenge. I have The um, weekend at Planet Bernie's. That's another one I have. <laughs> and then um, and then here's the one I think you might like the best: Night at the Mausoleum. I think that would be nice instead of Night at the Museum. It's just like it's like, they got reversed. They got reversed. Night at the Museum. They they didn't yeah. come to life they got shut down, you know? So yeah.
0: it's, nothing beats the title of this though. Elegy. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to write down the true definition of an elegy, a poem of serious reflection, typically a lament for the dead. Yeah. Like if that isn't the perfect title for this. Just, you know, it, it can be looked at as an elegy to mankind. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know? Like it, it's such a, it's such a wonderful, all encompassing title. And I, I just, it, it, <laughs> I don't know, like, I shot an arrow into there. I talked about how much I love that title. But I think this one, just short, simple, like that, totally defines different aspects of the episode. Absolutely, I think it's genius. And uh, hats off to Charles Beaumont. I can't wait to get... I, I think he did, what, 22 episodes or so? Something I can't like wait that. to get some more of his stuff.
1: So if they would have called the Space Graveyard, you wouldn't have been as uh, interested <laughs>
0: in it? Uh, well, the B-movie <laughs> lover within me uh, probably would have loved that as well, but... Uh, not for the twilight.
1: Okay. So, um, so uh, before we get to our twist reading, uh, which I think just talking to you, I think I'm going to change mine a little bit. Um, I just want to add like a brief aside to everything we talked about. Cause I was like thinking about, we just kind of mentioned like how people want to go out like, uh, like funerals and preservation and all that. Uh, don't ever Google the words human taxidermy. Don't do that. Um, but I started like looking into this. And so I, I remembered this. It's something that's very obvious, but I wasn't thinking about the time. So, uh, Vladimir Lenin's body is preserved, and in mm-hmm. Russia for viewing. And I found an article. This is from this year. It's from April uh, of this year. Uh, they said it, on average it costs one hundred ninety-eight thousand dollars a year to preserve him, and his state. And they go through this whole thing talking about how they have very specific things they do uh, to do regular maintenance on him. And they like they change the embalming fluid like like um, every two years. Um, they've had to what was it? Uh, add artificial eyelashes. Um, they had to deal with mold and wrinkles on certain parts Ugh. of his body, especially in the early years. I don't know what that means. That's terrifying, but here's the part that, that cracked me up. Researchers developed artificial skin patches when a piece of skin on, um, Lynn's foot went missing in 1945. Who oh, stole Lynn's foot in
0: 1945? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that is morbid. Um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of stuff going around social media too. You see the people that have funerals. The one guy was, uh, Embalmed and he was set up on a motorcycle did you see <laughs> yeah, that guy they, yeah
1: they're going to bury him in his motorcycle right they're going to just put it all in yeah but ground. at
0: the funeral he was like sitting on his motorcycle <laughs> and then there's another guy just wearing his sunglasses with his legs crossed just like sitting in the corner oh, that one wow. went around a few weeks ago and i couldn't stop thinking about those news stories that pop up every once in a while on facebook while yeah. watching this
1: I, yeah that's true but I was, just, I was trying to think of something and i, I just like oh, i was like yeah linen he's been around like, like forever i'm mean, in terms of like versus when he died you know and like how you can still yeah. go see that body and I guess everyone says it's it's very lifelike. I mean I mean as much as you can for like a dead body. Except for the foot. <laughs> Except
0: for the foot. Like they just put like a Chuck Taylor on yeah. the one foot, like nobody'll notice. <laughs> there
1: there is the that that is going to be the next Indiana Jones movie. It's Indiana Jones and, and uh, Lennon's uh, foot. Like I don't know, like the search for the foot. <laughs> but it just like, I that's like how they said it went missing. It's like, I just don't know if it was because people were handling the body and they're like, Oh shit, they broke the foot off or something, but it just I disintegrate <laughs> or something. <laughs> Probably. Right. Yeah, um, that's what I would think. <laughs> so just knowing that, and then knowing what we saw in terms of this episode, it's like, there has to be a lot of upkeep to keep people looking normal. And then, you know, somewhat like, like appearance of lifelikeness, which we haven't done. And that's the whole thing too. Like that someone asked, can you taxidermy like do do that to a human and all the experts say no because you can't make it look lifelike and so like not that i want to try but you know don't try it well
0: and they had a certain uh in the short story they called it a film of some sort that they covered the people with um in this i can't remember the name of the liquid that he mixed into their wine that basically solidifies them from oh. the inside out it had a goofy name in the episode. I can't think of it. I've been frantically Googling it <laughs> yeah, <they> said, <laughs> the entire episode.
1: Yeah. The one guy said, oh, this tastes like this. And I didn't catch what it was. And I'm
0: like, ah, eh, whatever. No, um, that, that's not what it was. Okay. It's, 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 I can't remember what it is, but yeah. Um, so Uh, I guess they have that special liquid that does it. All right. If we had that, we could. That's fine.
1: Like that's, that's a science fiction. That's a Star
0: Trek answer. It's like, oh, well we have
1: this. It's like, okay, it does the thing that we needed to do, you know, but, um, so I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) All right. So yeah, let's just go ahead and get to the twist, which I think is going to be our first time doing one like this. I was at a four. I'm going to go to a five just because of everything we talked about. You're right. I did not see.
0: What was going on until it was revealed? Yeah, um, I'm going to give it a five as well because, um, I, as we said last week, I'm going to give it a five point one just so <laughs> I can be above you because I always seem to rate things higher. That's true. Um,
1: I give it a seven. Doesn't need to go that high.
0: Yeah, I give it a five as well. Um, there are basically two twists in this, well, maybe more if you count some of them. But um, the fact that they find out that they're in basically a mortuary. Um, would be your first twist and the second twist is they poison some and they end up dead I didn't see either of them coming and I I thought they were both wonderful so yeah the the fact that it was a graveyard planet I didn't see coming after
1: that was revealed I had a suspicion that maybe they died on impact initially and that yeah that's a,
0: that's what I was thinking is that they were already dead yeah but I, I thought that that would be too easy, but the fact that, cause he's such a lighthearted character, the Wickwire that I did not see the poisoning coming. Yeah. So, so yeah. credit fantastic on all accounts.
1: Yeah. Credit, credit to them that I just, I just didn't know if we'd ever get to a five. I, I'm glad that we got to a five in the first season, you know, like uh, maybe we've rated other things a five. I don't like, I would think that uh, time enough at last would be, I, that may have been a five. Uh, yeah, but, I think so. Yeah. So, Probably um, keep track of that. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I know. I mean, if only there's a way to go back and listen to those episodes. Uh, did you watch the credits all the way through on this one? No, see, I did not. So I don't know if it was at the very end. I think it was maybe at the very end of the episode. Did you see Serling pop up for a second and announce the next episode? No, it's really weird. Like you should go back and check it out because it's like a real quick. Like it's the first time he appears on camera, and he's like, "Oh, and next week we have a mirror image, and it's you know brought to us by whatever," and it's like. It was a really odd, like, I'm what? glad that they kept it on Netflix.
0: But he did that for all of them because uh, I know I've seen the dialogue from those next week things. Yeah. I just didn't up, know. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever watched any of them all the way through the credits.
1: <laughs> I, this is the first time, like, because I, I end up watching them because I'll uh, take notes or whatever, and I'll usually let them run to the end. And unless I'm wrong, I think this is the first time he shows up physically in the series. And, um, hmm. it was just, it was kind of just odd because it just didn't fit anything else. I'm like, well, okay, there's a commercial for the next episode. That's cool. But, um, yeah, I just didn't know if you saw that or not. So, um, no. but, but yeah, anyway, um, good episode. Like I know we, we kind of talked all through it, but if you haven't watched it, sorry to have ruined the crux of it, but I think that will also help with, uh, once you know what's going on, it does
0: get a little bit more interesting.
1: I mean, not yeah. more, but
0: This would have been a hard episode to talk about because a lot of my favorite things relied on talking about the twist. So, yeah, uh, I I don't think we could have gone through this without spoiling it. But I think we've spoiled every episode, so (laughs) you should be watching them. (laughs) That's that's true. So, uh,
1: yeah, I I don't have anything else uh, notes wise to. I mean, I just you know wanted to bring up the mannequin challenge, which you were going to bring up bring up if uh, you know whatever. Um, I did like I was going to mention real quick when when they're exiting the spaceship uh, the first time one of them crossed their fingers walking out. And I was like, yeah, I'd probably do that too. I'd probably be like, yeah. oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to
0: cross my fingers, you know? So, uh, that's funny. Uh, one more also, uh, final thought here. I wrote down the guy that played Myers. I think it was, he was the worst. <laughs> his performance <laughs> was terrible. Like I, I, I didn't talk about it during, but every time he opened his mouth, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, the worst, probably one of the worst performances I've seen so far.
1: Yeah, was he the one that was yelling on the the stage, or was that not him, or was it the other? No, that's he, not
0: him. It was the guy with the dark hair. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, if if you go back and rewatch this, kind of pay attention to his line delivery. It's really bad it, it, every it, single time he opens his mouth.
1: So I think he's the one um, with the clip I'm going to play at the end, talking about the tractor. I think he's the
0: one. Yes, uh, yeah, he's the one that okay. explains what a tractor <laughs> is. Oh my god, like it's not enough, like. I, as you can probably tell, we both love this episode and it's not enough because it does feel in line with like a lot of the performances in sci-fi movies from this time period. Yeah. But there was just something that was just nagging me about it. sound like he was entire, either, episode. he was either
1: in an educational film or selling cigarettes. It was a really weird, like, I don't know, Jimmy, but it could be this. It's like, yeah. It or was... like
0: on a, on stage or something. Yeah, Like I could definitely see him coming out of, uh, the theater scene. Yeah. um, yeah
1: definitely check it out uh next episode is uh mirror image which i don't know anything about so i'm looking forward to that um how can people
0: get a hold of us you can always email us at strange highways podcast at gmail.com uh find us on facebook and then subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and I think Google Play Music Store. <laughs> I, I've <laughs> been I've having some it. issues behind the scenes, but <laughs> yeah. I should yeah. be up there by the time you guys hear this. Yeah, so
1: we're going to try to get that submitted there too. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I've, I've been trying to still uh, post things almost daily on our page, have some fun with some of the pictures and things that we find. Um, so, yeah, and interacting there would be great. I know we had um, someone recently post that they just bought the Twilight Zone so they can watch, watch along with us. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah yeah so hats off
0: to you like i have
1: netflix and hulu so it's hard for me to to go out and buy it right now when i can just watch it but
0: yeah i'm I'm holding out for that blu-ray box set you know one of these days it's gonna pop up at that under 60 dollar price tag and i'm probably just gonna pull the trigger on it but i don't want i don't want the dvd version of it no no
1: that's yeah you're right if you're gonna do it you might as well get like the
0: the best version of it
1: right so yeah, um, but I, I
0: I think the DVD one is at Best Buy right now for like forty dollars, so that's not a bad price at all. And uh, but I I just want that Blu-ray set, so I'm holding out. It's it's almost like you're picky about your
1: presentations and all the, the all the things that you own. I don't know. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's not like I'm sitting in a movie museum right now, <laughs> right? Like like I'd walk in and you'd be this perfectly still, looking at all your movies for the rest of eternity, right? And then I would that, go and move two of them, and then I would know that you would you would see that they'd be out of order for the rest it, of it's eternity. It's not too
0: far off from what I do. Uh, living right now a lot of times I just like sit in front of my movie wall just like yes yes." (laughs) (laughs) I am complete but not quite um, But it's, uh, it's more like wickwire. At the end of this, I sit in a chair across the room and just smile at it.
1: <laughs> and you wake all up every, right. every two hundred years and dust them off. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, so
0: this uh, might be our longest episode it, to date. It is, so. and I was not expecting that. So that's uh, I, I kind of was. I, I had <laughs> most notes I've ever had for an episode for this one. Oh, I was excited to talk about this
1: one. Oh no, it's it's been good. I've enjoyed this a lot. So uh, yeah. So uh, next time, mirror image. Uh, have, have a good holiday cause we're, this is right before Christmas and you know, not that, I mean, if you want to buy the twilight zone for somebody, that'd be a good gift. Or if you want to buy them a funeral plot on a space asteroid, I'm sure that they'd be fine with that too. A little morbid, but you could do that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, before we go, um, I think this is the last episode that we're going to have out before Christmas. So happy birthday to Rod Serling, uh, born on Christmas.
1: Oh, there you go. I didn't, I didn't realize that. That's uh yeah,
0: I almost forgot to say that, um. Yeah, I looked up his birthday because I saw somebody post something last week, and I was like, "Oh, is that is that today?" And I was like, "No, Christmas." So, happy birthday, and Merry Christmas! Yes, and um,
1: yeah, that's it. So, we'll see uh, see you next week with a uh, mirror image. Yeah, see you guys.
0: What do you call that? It's called a tractor. They were in use on Earth during the 20th century before the total war. You mean, we're on Earth 200 years ago? It's an interesting theory, Pete, and as possible as any other except that to my knowledge, Earth has never had more than one sun.